Hey guys, thanks for watching Ike Live. It's brought to you by Mystery Tackle Box. Please check them out. They've got a great product. Go to mysterytacklebox.com. If you use the coupon code Ike Live, you get 50% off Sweet. your first Pro Box. That's $12.50 <laughs> for a almost $50 value of baits in this box. All right. How's everybody doing? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Ike Live Show. Hope you're having a wonderful Sunday. I know we are. Uh, so, so excited, Brian and Carpenter. Uh, just a minute or two here. Uh, we're going to have a first-time guest on the Ike Live Show. Uh, big honor for me. Uh, big, big, big thing for me to get this guy on the show and get to talk to him. Mr. Randy Blockett's going to be joining us in just a few minutes here. Such an inspiration for me in my career and, and uh, a guy that I really feel like has changed the sport. And we're going to talk to him about that and other things. Uh, I want to mention real quick, Brian, we have a lot of these shows on Sunday. Yes. Today happens to be a special Sunday because it marks what? Uh, I, I heard football started today. The, f uh, the start of football. Back. Uh, football's back. Very exciting for a lot of us who are football fans. Uh, Riz, unfortunately, the Eagles not, didn't get a W today. To right. the new Washington football team. Yeah. The I Washington. the name. The Washington team. Uh, the, uh, as the Wawa Hoagie lady said, the red and yellow team. The red and yellow team. They played and, and, and lost to it. So a little, little disappointed of that. Uh, but football season's here, Bri. We're going to be competing, I guess, every Sunday with football, as we've done for the last five or six years. But because it's football season, man, I'm stoked. I'm stoked right here. I'm so excited to announce a brand new sponsor of Ike Live for the NFL season. And it is mybookie.ag. That's right. This NFL season, listen to me. Anyone who signs up to mybookie.ag, all you have to do, if you sign up and use the promo code, you ready for this? It's easy, Beck. I-K-E, use the promo code Ike, you're going to receive a 100% Bonus match that's up to a thousand dollars. Yes, all so, you have to do. Listen. So that means if you sign up, yep, open your account with five hundred dollars. Yep, they'll match that five hundred. They're going to match it 100%. up to up to a thousand dollars. They're going to match it one hundred percent. That's unbelievable. And I'm not even. I'm. I'm not even a gambling person, but that's amazing. It's yes. amazing. It's yep. amazing. On all again, all you have to do go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code IKE. You're going to receive a one hundred percent matchup. Up to a thousand dollars. That's amazing. That's amazing. Uh, during these weird times, right? Uh, weird, strange times. If you like to gamble, if you like me and you like to gamble, sign up for this. It's <laughs> going to be great. Go to mybookie.ag. Use that promo code IKE, and it's going to be Dude, great. Come one on. of my favorite. One of my favorite lines. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Finish. I was just going to say, come on, let's bet. I know, I cut you off. My bad. <laughs> That's all right. Come on, let's bet. So one of my favorite lines from uh, Naked Gun. Remember Naked Gun, the, the oh, whole yeah. series of movies, Frank oh, Trevin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Great. Yeah, he says, uh, I don't know, somebody asked me gambles, he says, the only time I gamble is when I eat out. <laughs> it just stuck in my <laughs> mind forever, dude. I freaking love that line. Literally anyone who watches this show gambles, because mm. you don't know what you're going to get You don't here. know what you're going to get. You gamble with your time. If you fish, you gamble. You gamble. Yeah, if you, you fish tournaments, you gamble. That's right. You gamble. Beauty of that, though, So Mr. go Beckett, double your money. Is that's you're right. gambling on yourself when you're fishing. That's true. That's what makes our sport you great. Are. You're gambling on yourself. Uh, let me remind everybody, once again, if you're watching... Uh, <laughs> I'm not. Good point. But 
yes. If you're watching over on Facebook, uh, Riz, um, we invite them to like and share the feed. Like and share the feed. Yeah. If you like and share the feed over on Facebook, you're going to be entered into a contest to win the world-famous Ike Life gift bag. And Riz, we're going to be picking a winner here at the uh, the end of the show. We world's, sure are. World's and that, heaviest gift bag. That yes. gift bag is absolutely loaded to the teeth, guys. It's loaded. a really, really good one. And um, when you like and share tonight's feed, make sure you turn on your notifications for Ike Live on oh, all your social yeah, media channels. Good. That way you can stay up to date with all the stuff that we have going on. Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. We're on all of it. Twitter as well. So keep up with us, guys. We want to hear from you over there as well as on the message board. We, uh, we appreciate everybody watching tonight. Yes, definitely. Uh, please, uh, especially when Randy comes on, if you have questions, comments, anything about tonight's show, hit us up on the IM. We really do. We want to hear from you. It's very, very, very important. Uh, Pete, Brian Carpenter, in a couple minutes here, I think uh, we're, we're good. I think we're good. we've got him on. Um, I'm so excited. Uh, we've, we've had so many amazing guests on this show over the years from uh, athletes in different sports to, uh, you know, uh, actors famous people uh different walks of life but i'm i'm excited i'm excited to have this guy we had on actors the show on? tonight who we had actors on of course we had actors. ed on. bassmaster ed bassmaster damn yeah actor and a comedian you bailed him out dude no I, there's it, more than that too we've got <laughs> other actors on full what of about marizo shimizu damn we just lost randy well, marizo shimizu was an actor we had him and cliff crochet on at the same time remember that time chris pratt came on chris <laughs> pratt <laughs> Yeah. The Rock. We've also had yeah. The Rock on before. That's right. That's right. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I'm excited to have this guy on the show tonight. Uh, for the first time on Ike Live, yes. we've got the one and only Mr. Randy Blockett joining us on the show. Randy! <laughs> <laughs> Brian DeCarpenter, fix this audio. I'm working on it. <laughs> Brian Randy. will fix the audio here in a second. Randy, can you hear us? Uh, so, all right, all so, right. so, Mike, when you when we were on the Potomac and we were at that we were at that one bridge that yeah. was kind of like borderline low, and I was like, man, we should really take the trolling motor off, you know, oh, maybe dude. pull pull the plug a little bit, oh, let yeah. some water in the boat to get under. Oh, and yeah. you said, you said, that's some Randy Blockett type shit. I said, that's some Randy Blockett shit. Yeah, I I, <laughs> I immediately started like wondering, like, who's this? What's what's this yeah. Randy Blockett all about? Yeah. I went into a Lynn Dollar, you know, Time Warp hole and started oh, yeah. watching some of the old stuff. Like you, you went way back. Yeah. yeah. Awesome yeah. stuff. We're super yeah, keep, keep talking about it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. It's it's serious, and and uh, I cannot tell you how many times in my career, you know, I've tried to access places, uh, you know, with that in mind, you know, and and gone the extra mile to get somewhere, whether it's getting under something, yeah, getting over, over something, getting through something. Um, shout out to Basket Yamaha. Yeah, shout out to Basket <laughs> Yamaha, but. Uh, but seriously, and, and as soon as we, we get this fixed in a second here, I'd, I'd love for Randy to hear this. But, um, you know, when, when you talk about it, it's, it's hard to explain this, Riz, but when you talk about, you know, how your career and your style uh, is shaped, you know, in fishing, you know, you, you, look at, you look at people. You know, you look at people you've looked up to. You look at your peers. You look at people you see on TV, read in magazines. And, and Randy, for me... Uh, you know, at that time period, you know, for me in the 80s, right? The early to mid 80s into the 90s, uh, very, very instrumental to me with, you know, the mindset, the fishing style, you know, the power fishing style, the fish the moment mindset, uh, 
you know, and, and I think what happens is as you develop your skills, as you become who you are as an angler or, or you know, you, you copy things. You take things from, from guys. And I definitely for sure – and Brian the Carpenter can back me up on this. Yep, a lot yep. of it was our club days, yep. grassroots days. You know, we we were we were mimicking what we saw these yeah. guys doing. And for me, a lot of it was I was mimicking what I saw Randy doing. I saw Randy doing this crazy shit to get places. I was seeing him pitch and flip and make cast I've never seen made before, and I was intrigued by it. I was intrigued by it. So there was that side of it. And then the other side of it was the mental side of it, which I cannot wait. To, I, it, as soon right. as we get through this. Yeah, just give me one second yeah, to get yeah, him yeah. dialed in. I cannot wait to, to flush this out. But if you're watching right now, I, and, and Riz, I, I want to sort of explain this to you. When, when I started in like the 80s, right, nobody really looked at the mental side of the sport. It was, you know, you looked at it and it was technique-based. It was just... You know, you tie a lure on, you throw it out, and you reel it in. And it was just very black and white. And I would say uh, Randy, I would say Rick Clun, mm -hmm. you know, guys like that, yeah. to me, were the first guys that put a reason to why they were catching the fish, right? right. The mental side of it, right. right? They were saying, well, these fish are here because this is happening. They're right. looking at seasonality. They're looking at weather patterns, conditions, patterning fish. You know, logging stuff and saying this this is happening every year at the same time, and and it and again, you know, that side of it for me changed changed my fishing because it wasn't just luck, it wasn't just throwing a lure out and reeling it in. It was why, right? Why Mike, are you doing this? When do you, you know? when do you think in your career that that why? started to click and you you were able to answer some of those things for why you're catching fish in these scenarios you know why it's happening every year like did it happen for you before you turned pro did it happen before okay before it happened it happened when when i started reading about these guys through Bassmaster magazine when i started watching these guys on the tv show and uh then I would go out and, and again, I, you know, back then there was no internet and all that, right? right. So the, the research tools weren't there. But I would watch them, and then I would go out and, and try it myself. I would, yep. I would pretend I was in these tournaments. Yep. I, would, I would, you know, have these little sessions by myself, me against the fish. But right. then I would start taking notes like these guys were taking notes. I would start saying – you know, man, why why is this happening? You know, why is this going over? Talking about taking notes, Pete. I know you did the same thing a lot as as, as you know early in your career, and and you know it, it's for me again. It changed it changed my career. You know. Oh, what the hell? Go ahead, Pete. Um, Go ahead, Pete. Right, we Pete, got you. you yeah. The uh, yeah. I mean, it's it reveals everything. Um, you know, and. You know, I, I, I want to go back a little bit because I don't know if you could hear me earlier, but Randy was, you know, when I watched him uh, go underneath that bridge and sink that boat, and it was so impactful uh, watching him flip over the top of the tree branches. Do you remember that? Oh, I remember it like it was – dude, I, I can remember like it was yesterday. Pulled the plug, right? Yeah. Pulled the like plug on the boat, but the way he was catching the fish. He was going over the cover, like not – skipping like it was so intense the so thick and he was he was actually yeah. you know just going over top and and 
going in and i and i watched and i was totally influenced by it like we all were and and i spent years trying to get into places but i never seemed to catch any fish that way <laughs> but you know what i mean like yeah. it's so uh it, it's so uh you can go into 20 places like that and it's only going to be one time where the fish are really there for you you know so yeah. it's a tremendous it's a tremendous commitment to yeah. do it but but randy was randy was you know influential there for sure but you're, you're talking about taking notes I, I mean i've been taking notes i took notes on you know pressure water temperature patterns the fish that i caught but one of the here's the most important thing the most important thing that i learned from documenting uh my my from my notes and my tournament performances were when i had a strong finish I'd go back and look at what my practice notes were and what, how I actually caught the fish during the tournament. And it, it and it relates to the Potomac river just now. Right. Like I never thought of myself as a flipper. Like I never thought of myself as being uh, particularly skilled or talented in that arena. But when I went back and looked at my wins and my top finishes every single time it pointed to flipping mm. as, as, you know, as a technique. And I would have never discovered that, you know, yep. if, if I hadn't documented it and taken the time to, to write that stuff down. Um, and that's what I think guys really need to do because you may think you're good at cranking or top water or, or whatever it may be, but what the notes and your results will reveal is what, what you're actually better at than everybody else, you know? Yeah. And, and and that that's huge you know so i have books and books and uh you know a, a lot of a lot of notes over the years and you really gotta you really gotta do that earlier in your career and you know i don't take as many notes as i do do you do you still keep detailed records but I, i've kind of gotten away from it i i still do not not as hardcore as i did you know earlier in my career i i was hardcore to where i'd have dedicated notebooks you know yeah. like entire notebooks for each year where i would document practice tournament even notes after the tournament like should have did this should have did yeah. you know That's... i i would get so hardcore uh but but i but i still am a big believer that that side that mental side of the sport is important all right i think we finally brian carpenter i think we've got him on uh joining us now finally through issues mr randy blockett joins us on ike Yay! live Randy! Hey, sorry about that, guys. I don't know what happened there. Major technical difficulties on this end here. That, so all that. That's okay. That's uh, every show we deal with some technical issues. So it's par for the course here. Don't worry. I'm getting blamed. Brian always gets blamed. We're going to blame it on the producer. That's what he's here for. Uh, first of all, Randy, thank you for joining us on the show. Um, I, I just want to tell you right now that I'm a, like a kid in a candy store right now having you on this show. Oh. It's amazing to me. Um, I don't know if you heard anything that happened, but uh, you were a huge inspiration for me in my career. Uh, I appreciate. I, I want to honestly, I want to thank you. Um, huge inspiration, and you know, I everything from the angler that I am today with my style, you, you know, the way that I fish, uh, to the way that I, I feel like I think about fishing, you know, from the mental side of, of things, a lot of it I watched you in the in the early to mid 80s 
That's when I was just cutting my teeth. I was watching everything I could watch, reading the magazines. And I just want to say thank you, man. You are, you're a great instructor, and you shaped my career. So thank you for that. Man, that is quite a compliment there. That's I mean, definitely coming from somebody with your uh, credentials. Jeez, that's a that's a that's pretty good flattery. Appreciate that. And it, 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 I want to I want to say too, real quick. It wasn't just me because I've got in the room. I'm lucky with this show that I've got our producer uh, Brian the Carpenter and and Dave Brodzik, who's sitting next to me on the right. We fish for the same bass club, and you know I know I know it's hard it's hard to think about this, but like. We were watching you, you know, like we, we would like, you know, rewind the VHS cassettes, right? Because it was pre-DVR and all that. But yeah. we, would, we would be at a club meeting and we'd have the remote, you know, and like rewinding like your Bugs <laughs> Island win, you know. And we were just like blown away. You know, we were, we were like in our tw early 20s, you know. We're just like, oh, my God, what the hell? I, we've never seen anything like this. And, you know, it's – I know you at the time you're not thinking about it because I, I, I know I've had maybe that effect on some people and I don't think about it. But, dude, you were affecting a whole new generation of anglers. Did you ever think about that? It, you know, I guess after that Bugs Island tournament, that, you know, that whole sink in that boat deal sort of went viral. And yeah. uh, even today I heard people talking about it. I didn't realize at the time that it was that big of a deal because in that particular tournament, I think Hank Parker and Denny Brower did the same thing on some areas they were fishing, but yeah. that for some reason that just stuck with people. And I still got a lot of people today, uh, you know, look back on that, but man, that's just the same. It is. It's like, you know, every one of us in the generation that we came up, we all had people that we looked up to and they were mentors. Yeah. I had the same, you know, when I was young, you did when you were young and that's just sort of the, uh, you know, the, 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 the cycle of life in tournament fishing. Yeah, it, it it's interesting because I know a lot of uh, a lot of my peers that I fish with, you know, when when I look back and I say, well, who who were your guys that you know you looked up to? Who were the guys that you mimicked and developed your career after? And and you know, uh, the names that always come up are like you know, Larry Nixon, uh, Roland Martin, Jimmy Houston, you know, and and those names come up a lot, right? But for me, it was you. It was it was Rick Clun, Brower, Bra you know Brower for sure. Uh, Gary Klein, you know you guys, and and, and double sided, right? From not just from the techniques, like you know the power fishing styles that we were watching you guys do that were so new to a lot of us, uh, you know. But the mental side of it, and and, and I, I I want you to talk a little bit about that because. Before you came on, I explained to Riz. Riz is our young buck in the room. Riz, how old are you again? Thirty. Thir he he beats us at everything, Riz, Randy. Like yeah, I can't. He's, he's, we can't beat him in swimming, chugging, <laughs> arm wrestling. Yeah, he beats us at everything. Like nothing, man. Yeah, like I even tried to cheat and I can't. Yeah, he's a young guy, but you know it's hard for Riz to understand that there was a time in the sport where guys weren't looking at the mental side of the sport, right? right. And and. You and Rick, especially, you know, Rick, were, in my mind, the first guys that really were putting reasons to why you were catching yeah. the fish. And right. that was so important to me because it was like, you know, I, I, growing up in Jersey and in Philadelphia, guys were like, ah, it's luck. It's lucky. You know, uh, fishing's luck. You Still know? is a thought. Yeah. But what, Ran way. what Randy had, well, I think what we recognized, Mike, while we might not have been able to articulate it, he had... He had a, he had a, he has a great articulation, but with brevity. Yeah, and that, 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 that yeah. that's a gift. That's it's a gift. gift. It's a gift. Know? But but you you guys were able to say 
this is happening for a reason, right? And you were pattern fishing, and you were – talk about that because you guys were groundbreaking at the time for doing that. Well, a lot of it was – you got you mentioned the Pine Barrens. Did you guys hang out in the Pine Barrens? In yeah. Well, just I do. Just you know, a lot of that mental side of fishing started in the Pine Barrens because I went to Tom Brown Jr.'s uh, Wilderness oh, yeah. Survival yeah. in the Pine Barrens. And, it's, and that sort of is what got me, you know, morphed into that. And a lot of it started out with sort of the Native American philosophies, not only just the primitive survival skills, but also the spiritual skills that they learned as part of that uh, survival mechanism thousands of years ago. And that opened up a whole new uh, area of like trying to increase your awareness beyond the obvious. And awareness. and you've been there. Like, I mean, so anybody like yourself that has fished as long as I do, you experience moments on the water of heightened awareness. Oh, yeah. And, and once you do that, once you feel that magic of that heightened awareness, that's when you can, you know, say to yourself, hey, there's more about this just than just yeah. flipping that, that brush pile. There, there There's an unexplained, mysterious, mystical variable in fishing that allows you to get into that flow and yeah. get into that. You know, you've been in the zone a lot of times. You know how special it is. And basically what, like, Rick and myself did early on is we tried to really identify what that zone was and to see if you could, like, have some reproductible results about getting in there. Yeah. And that is, it's, an, it's a lifelong process. It's never-ending and nobody has figured it out. It's like nobody can just step into that flow, into that zone all the time. Yeah. But basically, the whole mental aspect of fishing was just a way to improve performance and learn more about yourself as a person. Yeah, we, we've talked about that a lot on the show. And, and every time we do, you know, we get these IMs that come through. And, you know, it's our viewers saying, what do you mean? You know, what the zone? Like, I, I don't get it. I've never been in that place. And... Give us an example, Randy, because I, I, I've got one I want to share again. I think I've shared it on the show before, but give us an example of a, an event that you've been in where it was happening, that magic was happening all around you, and you couldn't stop it. Give us an example of one of those. One that comes up to me, that, that Bassmaster Top 150 I won at the Mobile Delta. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was fishing this little tiny creek. It was a small creek way up the river. It was super quiet. The only thing you could hear was crickets and tree frogs chirping. And once you get into that flow where you're you're having a good tournament, you're close to being at the lead in the tournament, and you know you're in position to win, that's when, like, for me anyway, it's like, and I know you can, I know you know what I'm talking about because you've been in the same position. It's like all your senses become more heightened. Your vision is keener. Your yeah. smells, your 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 hearing is a lot more keener. And you're a lot more aware of all the subtle, minute things going on in the water. And it's like, it's almost like for me in the tournaments that I've won or finished high in, it's like you see yourself scanning, you know, the cover that's up in front of you. Yet at the same time, you're, you're completely focused on what you're doing. You're completely in the moment. Yeah. And it's just, for me, it's just a super heightened awareness. Yeah. And I yeah, it's exhausting to stay there. I mean, yeah, I remember that tournament because I actually fished that tournament, and I remember <laughs> after getting whooped for. T I remember how extremely tough it was, and I got whooped for two days. And I, I said, "How are these guys catching them?" And I could not wait to watch it. <laughs> uh, you know, you yeah. cannot wait to learn where you went wrong. And the one thing I remember uh, after watching that, Randy, I watched you win that one, is. 
I could tell that you were in the zone. And, and I think, you know, for any angler that's been there, you can watch someone and see when they're in the zone. Because I yeah. remember watching you how calm and deliberate you were on that last day. You know, like just, you know, for me, I'm, I get very spastic on the last day when I'm in the hunt, you know. But I remember right. just, you know, you were just each piece of cover with that, with that worm. I think it was a ringworm. You were just right. pitch, picking it apart, calm, deliberately. And I, I remember watching it, and I go, holy hell. I'm like, yeah, he was in that place. You know, and I've had it happen. I've, I've said this before. I'll, I'll give a quick version of it. But uh, Lake Seminole tournament that I won in uh, 2002, I think it was. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and I was fishing a crankbait. And by the third day, I knew when the fish was going to bite it. And I had a camera on me wow. and I'm, I'd throw that plug out there and I'd reel it and I was ripping it through grass and I'm, I'm reeling it. And I had a camera guy with me and I'd be like, okay, there he goes. And I said, there he goes, or here he comes. And it was before the fish bit it. But I was, I was in that place where I was so aware with the vibrations of the crankbait, I, I felt the fish drafting the plug, you know, yeah. and that I wow. wish I could do that every time, but it's so hard to duplicate that. You mentioned well, that, right? Yeah. Why do you think that it's so hard to recreate that? Because it's some, to me, it's something like it just happens. It's like it's something that just sort of like a door opens and you walk through it. But if you try, like if you go into the next time, next tournament and you try to like recreate the things that happened in the previous tournament, it just does not work. So why, yeah. why do you think it's hard to, to get in there and stay? It's it's interesting. I, I I wish I knew, and I you know because you're trying to force it. You're trying to force you're it. You're trying to force it because you because yeah. you felt it, so you feel like you can get back there, but you force it. Like we don't innately go to that whatever that sense is, you know, right. like whatever that spiritual sense is that puts you kind of outside your body and in touch with nature. Like we don't innately go there. That was bred out of us from the time we yeah. were little. Yeah. So like when you're in it, it's this amazing thing. But as an adult, you don't know how to force your body back into it and you you try to force yourself it reminds me a lot of the 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 whole vegas theory when he's on the water and he makes things so simplified and you know yeah the worm it's hiding from the bass or it's you know he sees a piece of cover and it's his city it's the fish's city it's because he's not (laughs) it's 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 funny like how we talk about it but it's so legit in what you just said of that like as you become an adult like you get formed opinions and and you kind of bias outthink out some of those things paralysis by analysis like yep. you name it like yeah and when you get in that flow state you know like you guys are talking about it just your mind is just it's just going and it's just in tune with it. the moment it yeah. sounds familiar like you can you know you can't go out looking for the third eye it just it finds you you know <laughs> i've experienced some of things <laughs> <laughs> we just talked about yeah. that's right Right. Oh, you could definitely let me, go looking for it. You could probably even pay for it. But that's so hey, crazy. Me, like, how do you go from a kid who can innately kind of, like, be in touch with it? Like, how do we stop that overanalyzing? Take them out of school. It, how do you stop yeah. that? Take them out of school. Done. Yeah. He's out. <laughs> I ripped him out. So on, on, on that topic, when, you, when, you, when Pete and Mike, you guys were talking about, you know, your note-taking and how you studied, and I'm sure, Randy, you can attest to some of this as well. I almost feel like in the generation where information was not so plentiful, there yeah. was some advantages to the way that you guys became fishermen and became, you know, masters of your craft because through your note taking, through your own research, research, through your own studies, you formed those opinions on your own and you, yeah. you know, you yeah. 
you came to those conclusions yourself. So whether they're true or not, there's not some J.O. that's going to tell you, no, no, you're wrong, because this is how it actually happens. You don't have that. In your right. own mind, it's right. Right. You know, and when you trust your instinct and you trust your gut, nine times out of ten, you, you, you fish better than when you're getting a report from somebody else. Yeah. So it, Wait, it's... When, when, when I won uh, Lake Martin, and I remember I was trying to break through. It was 1999, um, and I wrote down every single thing that I thought or felt during the tournament during practice that allowed me to to feel that like that peripheral that just exploded like everything you know the baseball became as big as the basketball just like you're talking about but the one thing that I wrote down uh Randy was that I I felt like I had a 20 pound stringer in the boat before I made my very first cast Mm -hmm. like I just I had that just that feeling of uh, not overthinking it, Becky, like uh, just I was already there. I, I like had already won the tournament, and didn't even make the first cast yet. I I haven't like my question to you, Randy, is have you and uh, Rick and, and, and your guys, have you figured a way out to to practice uh, to try to get yourself there? Is is there a strategy for preparing uh, to try to find that zone? Have, have you have you gone down that path? Yeah, I mean, back when I first started, you know, getting into this and I started experiencing some success, I got super excited because I said, man, I have finally found the key to doing well in these tournaments, and I'm just going to dominate the sport from now. <laughs> and it does not work like that. It's like it's like, <laughs> it's like Becky was saying, the harder you push it and, and the yeah. more you try for it, it does not work. Yeah. And to me, something that it happens on the water. Here, here's an example. Say – Say you're fishing the first morning of the tournament, and you and you hook this un, this unexpected giant out of nowhere. Say you get the seven pounder on, and you haven't you haven't even seen a fish over two pounds the whole week, and you get this fish right up the boat. And one of two things either happens: either that fish makes a, a weird turn and comes off, or he gets in the boat. And the momentum behind either losing that fish or getting that unexpected big fish in the boat is something that you're trigger you and push you into that zone or it can take you out and put you into a slump. It's like, there's a mental, it's like, it's like that, that power that we're talking about, that yeah. mystical power, neutral, it goes either way. It can throw you in a slump. It can throw you into a streak and nobody has identified that. I've talked to Rick about this before. Rick's probably been the closest one that has been able to recreate that on any consistent basis, but he still hasn't mastered it. I don't even think it's possible. And that it that goes back to what I learned about in the survival school about the eight of the ancient Native Americans because they had to rely on this for their very survival. They had to rely on these instincts that largely in modern modern society today we forgot that we had those abilities and those instincts. So I, it, it's it's one of the most fascinating yet frustrating topics to me in the sport. And I tell you one thing: I, I know for a fact on my own fishing that I've had a bunch of tournaments that I have just fell on my butt trying to, to force that to happen instead of just going, keeping it simple and and fishing like you should just be fishing simple. Yeah. It's interesting because it seems like my, my block is always, and I've mentioned this on the show before when I'm fun fishing, right? When there's no pressure of tournaments and points and pounds and 
TV, right? When I'm fun fishing, I can get there so much easier, right? I fish the moment so much better when I'm fun fishing. But a lot of times the tournament parameters, the tournament itself takes me away from that place, you know? And if I could, if, for me, when, when I can get to the place where I feel like I'm fun fishing, right? right? I, I get, get there, there a lot, a lot easier, easier than, than when, when I, I feel, feel you, know, you know, trapped, trapped by, by the constraints of the tournament. Yeah, it's like know? the classic versus... In a right, season. right. In a classic, right? I have my track record in classic's been great because I don't give a shit about points in the classic, right? I'm just, you're just kind of fishing to win and, you know, I don't know. I, I open up in the classics and when I'm fun fishing, man, I can, I can do it really easily. But then you get to a points event, right? And, you know, six hours go past and you don't have a fishing boat. And then you start thinking, I can't zero. And you start thinking about points and, <laughs> And, you know, and that, I think, takes you away from that ability to, to, to get to that place. You know, it's interesting. Yeah. I remember I fished with Larry Nixon up at Truman Lake in a Bassmaster Invitational years ago. And I, I was, you know, in my 20s there when I dreamed. And I obviously I wanted to learn as much as I could about Larry. And I said, you know, Larry, what is the biggest key to being successful in these, in these tournaments? Like, what do you think is the, is the biggest secret? And he thought about it for a second. He goes, you just have to fish like you just don't give a crap how you're going to do in the tournament. He said, it's that simple. And, I, you know, it didn't really connect with me at the time. But the more that I realized that, it's like just like what you said, when you go out and relax and you don't put pressure on yourself, you can just you can make those decisions a lot clearer, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Let me uh, let me remind everybody watching right now. Uh, you're listening to Randy Blockett. If you've got a question or a comment for Randy, please uh, hit us up on the IM and Riz will put the really, really good questions through. Can, can I translate something for yeah, our younger yeah, audience that yeah. Randy just said? So Randy, Mike, and maybe Pete, they are exceptions to the rule of going out there and relaxing like it don't matter and succeeding. Please don't think as some young angler you can go out there and not care and think you're going to be <laughs> catching checks. All right? There's, <laughs> all right? <laughs> Let's get that out there. Uh, you're taking the other side. But, yeah. no, there, but what I guess what uh, what someone might not understand is – no, I mean, I just, I'm just trying to have some fun with it, you know. Like, you know, there's, a, there's you know, he, he's coming at it very scientific about getting all that out of your head. Uh, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, how how easy is that to do and actually be successful yeah. and make a living out of it? Yeah, yeah. Well, it's tough. <laughs> that, it's actually a great segue because Randy, I wanted to talk talk to you a little bit about this. We've got, uh, you know, Dave mentioned we had so many listeners uh, and, and viewers of the show that are watching their. They're young and up and coming. They're in their twenties and thirties, and they say, "Man, this is something I want to do. It's something I want to pursue." And it's tough. It's a it's a tough route. Um, yeah. To me, you know, the eighties and nineties when I when and Pete, we've mentioned this before. When I when I look at the history of bass fishing, that was the heyday. You know, when when I was when I was fishing at the club level, watching the sport, it was the best I've ever seen it. Right. That that eighties to nineties, I think it was unbelievable. It was the heyday of the sport. Walk us through a little bit of that, Randy. Uh, it had to be an awesome time to be to be getting into pro fishing, right? What what was it like? What was it like back then? What was it like when you were cutting your teeth? When you were getting into the sport? Talk to us about that. Man, it was it, you know it was just a simpler world because there were not as many circuits, there was not as many tournament anglers, and uh, life was just all much simpler. I mean, back then the only thing you had was. When I started, they had Bassmaster Invitationals. They didn't even have the Pro-Ams or the Top 100s yet. I think they started like two years after I started in that. 
And then that was the days, like I said, of the old Bob Cobb and Ray Scott Bassmaster television show. Um, that was sort of a, that, that was the beginning point of when you started to have a, uh, sort of a larger segment of the, of the anglers to be able to make a living at it because yeah. we're starting to get into it. Um, they started to become a little bit more lucrative, particularly like when you hit like 1990, that's when you started having, you know, your very first interest from the non, non, non-endemic companies yeah. started to came to and it, it sort of built up for there. But like I said, the, uh, man, that I was fortunate enough because in everybody's got their day in the sun in the sport. And my day in the sun was in the nineties. That's, you know, it seems like to me, like when you're in your mid to late thirties, that's when you're at the top of your game. And then, you know, before that and after that, you're just not quite there. I mean, you, you were the same way, you know what I'm talking oh, about. Yeah. It's just like yeah. point where, your intellect and your intuition mixed together. And that allows you to do really good. And so for me, that was the period in there. And another thing about that is um, the, the big change for me has sort of happened in the mid nineties, as far as when you talk about leaps in the sport, it's like when, when FLW got into the sport in the mid nineties, that is when we all saw, you know, the big increase in the ability to really earn a lot of money in the yeah. sport. Yeah. And, for me, the heydays as far as being able to make a lot of money in the sport w- was sort of that 1998 to 2002 period. That's when there was a lot of, of competition between the two circuits. Yeah. There was a lot of loan into the sport. There were a lot of non-endemic opportunities. Um, and and then, like I said, we've had a lot of changes since then. But overall, you know, the 80s and the 90s, it was like it was just a simpler you know, sort of a more, just just the, just the simpler time. Yeah, you know, that's what made it great. Period. When I when I look back, that's what that's what got me hooked in the sport. Uh, Riz, I know we've got some questions, comments coming through from for Randy. What do we got coming? That's right. Uh, Team No Fish wants to know, um, Randy, who was uh, one of your initial fishing idols when you were first coming up? Uh, you mean? When I very stir like when I was really young, or like when I was uh, starting tournament fishing and bass, or sure, let's let's go with both. Well, I think like a lot of people, you know, uh, you know, Clun was one of my you know people I really admired when I first got into the sport, simply because how successful he was, and I really liked the intensity he had. He had, you know, he's he he was the first angler out there that was truly different. I mean, as far as your, your typical bass angler. Cause back when I got started back in the early eighties, that's back when the guys were still wearing jumpsuits and, you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, th- these were like good old boy bass fishing, you know, it just wasn't the same. And Rick was sort of the first guy that came out there and showed us that, you know, it, yeah, you don't have to really fit that mold and you can think a little bit differently. So he, he was a big deal with me. And, um, Another one was like, uh, you know, Roland Martin, simply because back when I was in high school, he was such a dominating force. And I don't think a lot of people today realize what a dominating force Roland Martin was in the 70s and early 80s. I mean, nine of a year, I don't know how many tournaments he won, but so many top 10, top five finishes. But, you know, just as far as an intense competitor, you know, Roland was, was probably on the top list there. Yeah. Riz, what else you got? You got more coming through? And uh, New York Chris wants to know, what's your favorite bait from the old days that you could bring back? Oh, that's a good one. 
Oh, definitely be just a half ounce jig with the number one pork frog on it. Number one Uncle pork? Josh pork frog. Uncle Josh. Shout out to Uncle Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I like yes. it. I, I don't know why pork is not still available. I mean, I, even up until 15 years ago when I used my last jar of pork, I mean, I was still catching good ones on it. I mean, just a big old jig and pork with 30-pound test line was was catch them. So, yeah. Randy, what if I told you in my fishing laboratory I have probably upward of 30 bottles of pork that I've maintained over the wow. years? Wow. You've maintained it with the with – oh, so I have I have the teeny ones. I have the next size up for the teeny. I got the elevens. One oh one. I got 11. the eleven with the squiggly legs, yeah. black and blue. I mean, oh, I got I got wow. I got I got a whole. Do thing you know full how much money you're sitting on? I don't on know. eBay right. right now. I don't know. A lot. Fifty bucks. More than fifty bucks. I, probably yeah, a lot more. Right? I'd say more than fifty bucks. Yeah. That's a hot e eBay item. Dude. Is it? I got the number elevens, black char. I got a bunch wow. of them. Man, I that's got the big. They, they, I have, I have a big giant tote of them, like a big. Oh, the they, big they came jar. in a big jar. They're I've, still yeah. in I've good shape. Yeah, man, absolutely. Huh. Like they're a little crimped, like you know, like yeah. like they're folded and crimped. But you can you can uncrimp them, right? Yeah. You know, right. That's amazing, uh, Randy. I I want to corner you on on what you said, and you, you mentioned it about Rick, and and for me, I think you you had a lot of these characteristics, which was breaking the mold and 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 being different, you know. Uh, I, I, I get targeted a lot, you know, from guys that, you know, say, uh, I ruined the sport. <laughs> I, you know, I, I destroyed the sport, you know, I, I, you know, and I'm, I'm okay with it, you know, because I'm, I was just being me, but, you know, again, to, yeah. to get a little fanboyish, you know, when I was coming up, I was looking at you and I'm like, yeah. This is me. Like, this is the guy that's me. Like, he's different. You had long hair. I had long hair so at the time. So you're saying Randy ruined the sport yeah. before you No, did. I'm not saying Randy ruined the sport. <laughs> I'm, saying, right. I'm saying you were one of the first guys, you know, along with Rick. I think Rick would be in that category, too. But you guys were breaking the mold. You know, you weren't that stereotypical guy. And I was watching. I'm like, holy shit. I'm like, this is, this is who I want to be. Yeah. You know, look at this guy. He's different. He, you know, he's stand, he's himself. I'm super like, super cool, super cool. I, was that? T how did you deal with that pressure? You know, because I know you got a well, lot of that back then too. How did you deal with that? Yeah, I know you have felt the same thing, Mike. Because <laughs> you know, anytime it's different, I mean, you're going to get judged for it. And if you have an opinion one way or the other, you know, there's going to be people that label you and and try to, uh, you know, criticize you for just being different like that. Yeah. And for me a lot of heat for that because you know the the approach that i had that was really strongly focused on the mental aspect of fishing back in the early 90s it you know and and rick took a lot of heat as well too but it was sort of ahead ahead of the time because a lot of people misunderstood it and you know it went against you know a lot of people's belief systems on had more traditional belief systems and they a lot of people would tend to judge you without knowing you what type of person you are and uh, and that, to me, that's that's sort of the that's just sort of part of the territory. When you when you you know try to be your own person and you and you try to be uh, you know sincere for who you are. I mean, you can't please everybody with it. And yeah. you know, it's just like with yourself. I mean, you, you've always had this persona of this super passionate, you know, just controversial figure. But I mean, a lot of people that have never met you don't know how much of just a really laid back, cool guy you are in person. You know, they, they just see a part of you and they form an image 
And that's sort of what comes along right. anytime you're doing For me, like I said, uh, you know, I got that label back in the early 90s of sort of being way out there in left field. And that label was attached to me by people that didn't really know me as a person. They just thought they did, but they didn't. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I again, I can tell you that uh, you were very, very instrumental to a lot of people uh, getting them started. Oh, yeah. in the sport uh, big big for a lot of us guys up here in the northeast for sure you know we always felt yeah. left out you know we felt <laughs> like uh, i don't know well, you, you know bef before guys like you and before kershaw you know brian made a breakthrough win at the classic i mean you, we were left out you know <laughs> we were sort of left out yeah. we had no one to look up to you know so very inspirational to a lot of guys you know uh but but along with that you know you being different i think Bass, you know, the tournament organizations were also leveraging that too, right? They were they were leveraging you being different, right, to help them get publicity, to help yeah. them uh, try to grow their brand, uh, you know, with, with your brand. Um, and and I know you've been asked this many a times before, but we we got to ask it on Ike Live. And I, I want to get a little bit of the inside story. I've heard it told by you a few times, but I do want to hear a little bit of it here on the show. Uh you know, people always still talk about your your appearance in the detail details magazine, uh, the article, uh, which was which was breakthrough. You know, and people always and and I have it happen to me. They always want to reflect on the you know the the negative stuff. Oh, it's terrible. You know, it, it's horrible for the sport. Oh my God, why would he do that and this? And it's I, I'm like, are you kidding me? They're talking about bass fishing in Details fucking magazine here. This is unbelievable. You yeah, know? so what if he's naked? Yeah, so what? And there's a short window in your life that you can be naked. Right. So I, I, lo I love being naked. <laughs> I love being nude. So, uh, but, but to me, this was like an amazing thing. And I know, you know, you got a lot of criticism for that. But how did, t tell me a little bit, like, was this a good thing for you in your career? Was it a bad thing? Do you regret doing it? Do you not regret doing it? Well, you know, that everybody, you know, any tournament organization, Bass and whatever, they they sort of have people they, that, you know, sort of like poster children at different stages of your career. Yeah. And yeah. back in that, there was a little window there where I was sort of, you know, I was doing really good in the tournaments and I had the long hair and I was young. And so I was sort of this poster child for Bass for a, a short period of time. So Ann Lewis, who was the, uh, you know, the media director yeah. for Bass back then, she she asked me to do this interview with details magazine, which was, you know, for her to come to me, that was a big deal. And so we did the, we did the article and a lot of it was centered on the, the mental aspect of fishing. And you, you probably remember that, but they sort of twisted the article into some confrontational deal between different camps, the way people fought in fishing. And that's not what, that's not how they told us it was going to go down. It was, you mean the media lied sort of to you, dude? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, they sort of twisted this. Wow, who knew? They, they didn't, I mean, they didn't tell me what articles were. So uh, anyway, to, to get back to this infamous photo, what happened is uh, after we, you know, this article took place over like a four-month period that traveled with us. And after we did this, uh, I got a call from this this uh, uh, this photography agency out of New York and they wanted to do the photo shoot. So Ann set it up. They flew down to Lake Lanier in Georgia and we did this two day photo shoot down there. And, 
they said, okay, to cap this entire article off, we're talking about, you're talking about you being in tune with nature and one with nature and flowing <laughs> you know, the environment. We want to get a silhouette shot of you in your boat with no clothes on looking out at the, at the distance. And they go, it's going to be a silhouette. It's going to be darkened out. Yeah. Nobody's going to, it's going to be super tasteful. And me being, you know, 28 some years old or whatever it was at the time I said, well, whatever, it sounds cool. And the next thing I know is I show up, you know, and you can see my butt glowing in the daylight. <laughs> I remember we were at a tournament. The next tournament was at Sam Rayburn Lake and this thing came out and it's like, I saw the article and it's like, Oh man, this is not good. And started immediately. It's like, you know, nine of wood at Ranger Boat basically saying, what were you thinking, Randy? And, <laughs> like I was catching some some flack there. And, and Bass actually hired this retired lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. It was he was he, his his expertise was basically, you know, anytime like a celebrity had some type of a scandal or something. <laughs> and he, <laughs> he was a cleaner. To like clean up the problem. <laughs> <laughs> I asked. So I had these conversations for a month about how to handle it in the press and all that type oh of stuff. Oh, God. And eventually, it just, it, it, I mean, it blew over and everybody yeah. took it, you know, with a, like a, in, in good humor. And of course, I got ribbed about it, you know, forever. But yeah. so, but, but that was one of those things that it was sort of one of those deals like fishermen just don't do that. It's like, you know, yeah. you need to be straight laced. You need that you need to, think and act like this and you know when you're outside of the box like that it just doesn't work but as it turned out um, i didn't lose any sponsors over in fact i got upgrades and a lot of my sponsorships and i got some opportunities that would never have occurred yeah uh, I, I think it's great. I think it's great. That's, that's how it always works, though. Yeah. It's it's always how it works. Everyone, like, to everyone else, oh, this is so bad. It's so bad. And then they call you up. Can we work with you? Yeah. Can, yeah. We, can we pay you more? Yeah. Rand, Randy, I got yeah. a question. Like, when you look back at the different crossroads in your career and we take the 28-year-old nude, nude photo, <laughs> like, do you wish that with your articulation and your charm and, and, your, and, your, and your naked, glorious body, maybe you started, like, a cult instead of bass fishing? <laughs> 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 like, because we would have joined. We would have been. We would have been like the nudist fishing cult. No, like, just, what do you? I mean, mean, he's got more charm than David Koresh, probably. You know what I mean? Like, he could have formed like a. <laughs> I'm not talking about like a crazy. I'm talking about like a nice cult with adults in it. You yeah. know what I mean? Like a nice I, cult. I would have yeah, joined. Make sure everybody has a job. Right? I would have. <laughs> I would have joined. I can tell you. I would have been in it. I would have been for you. During a, during a damn cult that existed, where the leader wasn't trying to bang everybody's but wife. That's yeah. not true. Name one. Uh, cult, uh, cult 45. Cult, yeah. <laughs> the bear. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. A bluest, yeah. bluest or cult. Exactly. The exactly. I don't know. Uh, well, Did the anglers, know, uh, take issue with it, Randy? Did you get any heat from, you know, the anglers not, you know, happy about you stepping out like that and getting all the attention and exposure? Did I know the sponsors and stuff, but what, what about the other anglers? Uh, none that it, none nobody said anything to me personally about it. I'm sure they did, you know, in private quite a bit like that. But <laughs> didn't have anybody. Everybody was just like really, you know, they just sort of laughed it off, and uh, it it turned out to be, you know, everything was okay with it. But I didn't I didn't have any issues whatsoever with it. Did the photographer have you like like dropping lures and stuff and picking them up? Like? <laughs> <laughs> It was that. Why do we have to go there? <laughs> I'm wondering. 
that uh, photo member at Lanier and we were at the top 150 at that tournament. I remember it was like 37 degrees when I took that picture. So that's oh, thing of course. That. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure uh, he wasn't uh, like, Hey uh, Randy, uh, can you trim the motor? <laughs> <laughs> the front one. I swear it's cold out. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Well, I, okay. I, okay, I can tell you this. That was, uh, it, it was great. I, I think, you know, those kind of things grow the sport. Seriously. Like, yeah. Those kind of publications, that's what you need to get in front of people well, who don't fish. 36 degrees ain't growing the sport. Well, I'm the <laughs> that's not growing, but the magazine's growing the sport. Dave's, Dave's Pork says that Byron Velvick was probably jealous at that moment. Byron yeah. Velvick was jealous, definitely. Uh, and, and I want to I wanna tell you, Becky knows this for a fact. My three favorite magazines I like to take on a plane. I'll take a fishing magazine. Usually you can get In Fisherman or something like that yeah. at the newsstand. GQ and details. I love that magazine, so it's pretty good. <laughs> really? Uh, yeah, that's a great magazine, True dude. Story. High men's fashion magazine. It's great. Okay. It's an awesome magazine. I love it. Uh, Randy, we're going to take a break. Can you hang there with us uh, for a yeah. couple minutes? I, I still, I, I, I got a couple other things I want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, same here. Can you hang <laughs> in there with us for a little bit? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. All right. Listen. Um, you're watching Ike Live. We've got Mr. Randy blocking on. Hang in there with us. We're going to take a little break, Brian the Carpenter. Yes. When we come back, we've got more Ike Live. Right. Four and a half inch drop shot worm. Bama bug. Finesse jig, PB&J. Give me something hard. Hey, KVD here. Now, I didn't always know this much about fishing. Three-aught, no, four-aught EWG worm hook. In fact, there was a time when I couldn't tell the difference between a jerkbait and a stickbait. But then I signed up for Mystery Tackle Box, the original monthly tackle subscription. And now I know more about fishing than I do about Calculus. And he knows a lot about Calculus. Plus, I get amazing extras like free fishing magazines. October 2016, featured article, Four Places to Throw a Frog, exclusive decals, <coughs> zombie bass, and how-to videos for all the great baits I receive. How to tune a crankbait. Is that underwater footage I smell? I got goosebumps. So if you're looking to develop enhanced fishing abilities like me, or you just like getting new tackle every month, go to mysterytacklebox.com and get your box today. Ooh, live minnows. Is it lunchtime already? Nature's candy. Is he in my pocket? There's a special place in our hearts for the tools of the trade. They're what we prep for a good day on the water. They're what we clean after a good day in the field. Flambeau's patented Z-Rust technology protects the gear of today from rust and corrosion. Z-Rust, for the performance of tomorrow. Preserve. Perform. Repeat. hard to catch your fish. TH Marine has two products to ensure your fish survive. The Oxygenator injects 100% pure oxygen into your live well. That increases fish survival by 35%. For the perfect combo, add G-Juice live well treatment. It calms fish, stops bleeding, removes ammonia, and replaces slime coat. Get an Oxygenator and G-Juice and keep your fish alive. <laughs> 